if you have ever heard people tell the story of their conversion in testimonies or sharings, you probably notice that there's a particular pattern that so many of them follow. For many people, the encounter with God always comes after a moment of crisis, the point where everything falls apart or all their plans vanish in front of them and suddenly they encounter God. Now, this is a source of great cynicism on behalf of many atheists because they, they declare that this is great evidence of why Christianity is simply a crutch. We've created a God to make up for our weakness when we can't do it ourselves. But perhaps this speaks of something similar to what I mentioned in the previous episode. We can find ourselves blinded to the love of God because we're in love with so many other things. And sometimes it's only when these things, these good things, are stripped away from us that our eyes are opened. Like St. Paul, the, the scales fall from our eyes and we can suddenly see for the first time, freed from our vanity, freed from our pride, free from our own self-obsession. Maybe the problem in the spiritual journey is that we're afraid of ever going back to that place. So often I've heard people tell stories of their conversion where they have that moment and they rejoice in the love of God, but then they quickly surround themselves with anything that would keep them from ever going back to that place of weakness. And I think this is where perhaps our understanding of holiness is a little bit messed up. Because we see weakness as being the enemy rather than it being almost a doorway, an encounter into the love of God. I sometimes think that there are, there are three models of holiness. The first model is what I would call the, the holiness high jump model, where you look at the great saints in all their virtue and their great miracles and achievements, and we see them as though they are standing on top of some great high pillar, far above the rest of us mere mortals. And every day, we, inspired by their lives and their actions, we grit our teeth and we try and jump as high as we can, hoping that today will be the day when suddenly I become virtuous. Because I've tried so hard, I can actually love my enemies. I can be patient with all my co-workers. I can definitely be patient with your family members and your in-laws. And yet, time and again, we fall back down. And people will try this, often in the early years of their conversion. They'll try with, with so much determination to live the ideal of what it means to be holy. But as they keep falling back down again, they get discouraged. And they settle for mediocrity. The second image is the idea of the mountain climb. And this is probably the way most people would assume the lives of the saints played out. 
where they started in the depths of the valleys and the darkness with everyone else. And each day they tried just that little bit harder to gain another virtue, to turn away from another sin. And slowly, ever slowly, they climbed the mountain of virtue. And so this becomes a journey walked with gritted teeth, desperately trying every day to make the right decision. But that doesn't really make for a happy Christian. As I've probably mentioned in previous episodes, that creates an idea where every day you're, you're kind of neurotic. Am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Why can't I have fun like everybody else? And this is probably why so many Christians look miserable. Whereas I think if you actually read closely into the lives of the saints and the holy people in the history of the church, you see that it actually plays out quite differently. Many of them start off after their conversion trying to grow, trying to get better. And so if you can imagine almost like on a graph where they start at zero and they slowly start to rise up higher. But after a certain time, maybe the point where they realize they can't jump to the heights or where it's too difficult to climb that mountain, that line which was progressing upwards starts to dip downwards. And there comes a moment when it feels like they're getting worse. Like everything they do, they're just seeing more and more of their sin, more of their weakness. They're trying to be loving, but they find them just they're hurting people. They're hurting the people they love. And strangely, they can spiral downwards, seeming to almost hit a place of anxiety or depression, as, as many of the saints did suffer from this. But they get to a point where they've almost hit rock bottom, the point where many would give up on their faith completely, where many would just abandon any notion that God is with them. And yet it's at that rock bottom point where they suddenly realize that they can't do it and they need a savior. And that becomes the point of their real conversion. You see, because often when we start, we start off with this idea that we acknowledge Christ as our savior, but we think we can pretty much do it ourselves with God giving a bit of help. And our prayer is really coming out of an arrogance of, God, I need you to help me, as opposed to, God, I can't do it. I need you to do it for me. It's a subtle difference, but it really does speak deeply of whether we understand what it means to have a saviour. And this, I think, is the key point of understanding God's love. You need to allow yourself to be loved in your weakness, in your brokenness. And God wants you to know that you are loved in that place. I mentioned in the last episode about how God will do anything he, he can to strip you down of all your pride and your vanity, all these things that keep you from knowing his love. So often, in some sense, our virtue or, or our desire to look virtuous is sometimes the biggest blockage 
to knowing the love of God. And so God will allow you to be broken down. He will allow you to be stripped of everything until you realize really who you are in your weakness, in your sin, in your frailty. That point where so many people despair because they see for the first time just how ugly they are. And they are convinced that if there is a God, that God could never love them. But that's the whole point. God is leading you to a place where you can see yourself the way that he sees you. He doesn't look at that beautiful photoshopped image that you've created of yourself, that image that you present to the whole world, that image that you present to God when you pray. He sees the real you. And he wants you to see the real you. And he wants you to know that you are loved in all of your ugliness. That sort of love is quite possibly the hardest love to receive. It's so easy to be loved in our strength. It is terrifying to be loved in our weakness. But this is where the transforming moment comes. As I mentioned before, talking about the difference between the law and grace. Grace is when you know that you are loved in your brokenness and you allow that love to transform you. It's no longer about you. Your vision is no longer about what you're doing to make yourself loved or what you're doing to make yourself pleasing in the eyes of the beloved. It's that absolute point of surrender where you know that you are just loved in the midst of your absolute mess. And the irony being that that's where the true transformation comes. So often when I've tried to explain this to people, the first reaction I get every time is that if I come to a place of knowing I'm loved in my sin, then surely there would be no motivation to overcome my sin anymore. But the whole point is that when you know that you are loved in your sin, there is no longer any motivation to sin. Because the whole point of our sin is that we are looking to fill an emptiness in our identity. If that emptiness is filled by the knowledge that I am the beloved, as messed up and broken as I am, if I really allow the truth of that to sink into my identity, the desire for sin starts to disappear. So we need to allow ourselves to be loved in our brokenness. And we almost need to give God permission to break us down. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray because it's the sort of prayer God will take you up on. But if you can just simply say to God, look, help me to see myself the way that you see me, to know my absolute weakness but also to know your absolute love, to see the truth of who I am and to no longer hide behind the false image of my own vanity. <laughs> <laughs>